0: Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Good. We're good. You're live. We're okay. Come on, one more time. How are we doing this morning? Great. There we are. Okay. All right. So great to be with you. I'm so thankful for Grayson and Jacqueline to, to lead us in worship this, this morning. And what a great opportunity just to gather together and to just worship our Lord to do it through song and now to do it through just the teaching of. His word. Um, If you're new today, thanks so much for being with us. My name is Corey. I get to serve as the teaching pastor here at our Plain City campus. And just to let everyone know, at the end of our service today, we are going to be taking communion together, so if you didn't pick up um, some of the elements on your way in, uh, you can feel free to do that at any point in time, just to have those ready for a a bit later. Um, But we are in the middle of a series called Asking for a Friend, because many of us have questions around how to best relate to one another. And when it comes to our relationships, our culture, our past experiences, our upbringing, all have impacted what we think is right and what we feel is right regarding and how we relate to one another. So we have been looking at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 because the Apostle Paul has written back to the early church there in Corinth regarding a bunch of relational issues that they had. And so far in this series, we've looked at how God has a high view of how we, we treat one another at God's view of sexual morality outside of marriage, of sexual morality inside of marriage. And today we're gonna look at how God views singleness. And so approaching this morning last week, I was sitting with my son and he said, dad, what are we talking about on Sunday morning? And I said, we're we're gonna be talking about what the Bible has to say about singleness. And he said, sounds awesome. I'm single and I'm ready to mingle, right? Which I replied to with, not so fast, my friend, all right? He was joking. We had a great laugh with, with, with one another. But the reality is, this thing of topic and subject of singleness brings about different thoughts and different feelings for each and every one of us. There are some folks in the things we're going to talk about today, you're going to be wondering, how long am I supposed to be in the single state that I'm in? Does God have marriage for me in my future? Does God have singleness for me in my future? For some, as we walk through the things today, this, this topic of, of singleness may bring about some, some painful thoughts for, for you. There are others that are asking questions around, hey, is this a good season or a good time in my life to pursue marriage or not to pursue marriage? And so like we've been saying each and every week, when we have questions like these, we want to go back to God and his word and set his truth as the foundation for us in our lives, which is why our big idea for this series is that we believe that God offers us answers to life's toughest questions. Now, God doesn't always give us the easiest answers to our questions, but he does give us the best answers in how to believe correctly and to treat one another carefully. And so today we're going to be asking the question, what's the right approach to singleness? What's the right approach to singleness? That God has designed a season of singleness for all of us. There's a single season of singleness for all of us in our lives at some point or another. And so what's the right approach to that? And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm married This doesn't apply to me. Well, I think it does apply to you because it's a great reminder that that you were single once, but now in marriage, God calls you to minister to those who are unmarried. So as you sit here today, be thinking about, hey, is there some way for me to encourage or to pray for or to come alongside or to strengthen someone that I know is in a season of singleness right now? If you're sitting here today and you're listening uh, uh, and you're single well, then I believe God has got something special and specific that he wants to speak into your life today. So with that in mind, let's jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 7. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, head to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 beginning in verse 7. Paul writes here, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, And one of another. Here in verse 7, Paul has is starting to transition from talking to to married couples to those who are are single. And Paul says, I wish that all were as I myself am. That means referencing Paul being single at that time. And as we're going to look at a little bit later, he's going to be referencing some of the benefits of being single. But even though Paul will talk about the benefits of being single, he's going to strike this right balance through everything we look at today versus the person who's married to the person who is unmarried, which is why Paul says here, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And it's important for us to know the culture that Paul was writing into at this time. If you were Jewish, marriage had a very, very high view in your life. Because as a Jewish person, marriage was crucial because God said, be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, if you didn't get married, Jewish folks would look at it as you were being disobedient to God. And that being married was crucial and almost a mandate into pleasing the Lord if you were Jewish. For Gentiles, for the non-Jewish folks on the other hand, they were looking at it from a different angle. Because of all the sexual immorality in their culture, especially those in Corinth like we talked about, they thought the most godly way to live, the most pleasing way to to serve the Lord would be to remain celibate or single. So Paul is speaking into the lives of both of those groups here, and with both of them in mind, he says, hey, each one of you has your own gift. And what he's saying is singleness, just like marriage, is a gift from God. That singleness, just like marriage, is a gift from God. And what Paul is not doing here, he's not imposing singleness on everyone, and he's not impo- imposing marriage on everyone. He's saying, hey, both of those states are equally valued, and they are a gift from God. And I think it's important for us to grasp that whatever current state that the Lord has us in, that, that it's a it's a gift from the Lord because here's how most folks walk around. A lot of folks are walking around with this grass is greener mindset. There are single people walking around with like, oh, if I could just be married, life would be so much better. And sadly, there are some single or married people walking around wishing they were single. There's married individuals with that grass is greener mindset that want to relive the the good old days of being single. They want to live as if they were single. They might be married and have have kids, but sadly, some of them are, are flirting with or seeking attention from someone other that's not their spouse. Sadly, some are putting their hobbies or their job or their friends or things in life above their family and their spouse. And the opposite is also true. There are, there are single folks that are so desperate to be married that they are just consumed with that all of the time, right? They'll go out on two dates and all of a sudden they're acting like they've been married for, for 10 years. They're like, hey, let's go get some matching shirts. Let's sync up our Google calendars. You want to get on the same shared data plan with our phones, right? They'll be just consumed with that. And, and I say that because I, I remember some friends of mine back when I was in my mid-20s, uh, they were single, and all of a sudden, they just hit this season where they were just consumed with, I'm single and I have to be married. Something's wrong with me. I'm less than because I'm single now. I've failed because I'm in my mid-20s and I'm, I'm not married. And, well, I need to graduate from this singleness to, to marriedhood. And it was almost like they couldn't function. That's all they thought about. And what they missed during this time, whether, whether that season of singleness was going to be short or it was going to be long, that it was actually a gift from God, but they just couldn't see it. And so while Paul recognizes here that singleness is a gift and marriage is a gift, I think it's important, especially in this day and age, to say no one, no one is gifted for sexual immorality. No one is gifted for sexual immorality, that the married person must live faithfully to their spouse and the single person must live a life that is sexually pure. That no one is gifted for sexual immorality, I think, is so relevant because in the secular world that we live in today, singleness is looked at as a time, hey, go sow your wild oats. Go make a bunch of mistakes. Who cares? You're, you're, you're single. Party as hard as you can. Be as sexually active as you want. Explore your sexuality. It doesn't matter. You're single. And the singleness, from the world's standpoint... It's kind of a do whatever you want, push all the limits, do as much as you want with whoever you want, because guess what? One day marriage is gonna come along and it's going to ruin all your fun. It's gonna take away all your fun. Marriage, the old ball and chain is coming, so live it up in your, your singleness. That's kind of the, the worldly view, but no one is gifted for sexual immorality. And so the biblical view of singleness is much more challenging because as we've seen with Paul talking to the Corinthians, right, it's not a time to do whatever you want with whoever you want. That in your singleness, it's a time to remain pure. It's a time to, to grow in your relationship with the Lord. It's a time to, to live counter-cultural. So Paul here begins to lay down this biblical foundation of singleness that all, it may be temporary for some, it may be long-term for others, but it is a gift from God. But not only is singleness a gift from God, Paul continues in verse eight, and he says, To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Paul here Speaking to the unmarried and to the widows lets us know that he's speaking to every category of singleness. Because I think sometimes we think, well, it's just those young people that aren't married. But Paul is addressing those who have never married, those who are divorced, and those who are widowed here. And he says, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. So, not only should we approach singleness as it is a gift from God, but we should also see that it is good. We can't miss that Paul uses the word good here, that if you're single, it is good in the state that you're in. That if you're single, it is good in the state that you're in. And I say that because in our culture, marriage can be elevated to this this mountaintop thing that everybody must attain. And if you don't get, get married, then there's there's something wrong with you. Or if you don't get married, then there's something missing in your life. I mean, think about so many of the movies we watched or were brought up with as kids. You gotta go find Prince Charming or you gotta go find the princess and then it's always they live happily ever after. That we can overemphasize marriage and underemphasize singleness. I mean, think about some of the things we we say. It's, hey, when are you going to marry that girl? Have you found a boyfriend yet? Have you found a girlfriend yet? Do you think they're going to remarry? Do you think he'll remarry? Do you think she'll remarry? And if you're honest, right, I think most of us who are married have had the conversation, hey, if I wasn't around, would you get married again, right? Tread those waters carefully, y'all, all right? So... Um, whether married or single, I think what happens is we naturally assume that marriage is just the end-all be-all for everyone, that it's just something that's going to happen for everybody. And if we don't watch out, that leads to a view of singleness that, oh gosh, something's wrong with somebody's life if they're single, that it's just got to be this season that you grin your teeth and bear it and endure until you can just be elevated to marriage one day and Gosh, hang in there because you'll never be happy till you're married or never be complete or fulfilled unless you find your spouse. We got to be very careful of having that as like a default mindset because what that does is it makes marriage an idol in our lives. It lifts marriage up to a place that says marriage is more spiritual than being single. And so we got to be very careful of that. And Paul's addressed all of this in in the verses we've been talking about from, from week to week. And so I want to say this, if you're sitting here today and and you're single, I want to encourage you and let you know, don't let anyone tell you that there's something wrong with your life. Don't let anyone tell you that there's something wrong with the state that you're in. You are okay with God, that before your heavenly father, there's nothing wrong missing in your life if you're single, that you are in a good and blessed place with your heavenly father, that you can be free from the marriage is better idol in your life, that it is good in the state that you're in, and that is a gift from God. And so Paul in writing this to make sure, right, we and the Corinthians don't take his words out of context to make sure Paul's not saying marriage is bad and that anyone goes to the extreme with what Paul is saying and to continually protect them from sexual immorality. Paul says in verse 9, But if they cannot exercise self-control, then they should marry. That it's better for them to marry than to burn with passion. Singleness is good. It's a gift from God, but what's not good is to lose self-control. What's not good is to to burn with passion. What's not good is to give way to temptation of sexual immorality in your life. Paul says it's better to marry than to fall into that sin outside of marriage. And again, just because of the day and age we live in, let me say Paul is not promoting same-sex marriage here. Paul is only promoting biblical marriage in the way God has intended it and designed it. And he's saying, hey, if you're single and you can't exercise self-control, go ahead and pursue biblical marriage. Experience all the wonderful things that God intended for you inside of marriage. And so it's important for us to know and it's important for us to say because, again, we are seeking God's word and trying to set his truth as our firm foundation to believe correctly and to treat one another carefully. And so when it comes to singleness, Paul lays down this foundation that we've seen here, that it's a gift and that it is good. Paul's got more insight on the state of singleness, but to get more of that insight, we need to drop down to verse 25 in chapter seven. So we're gonna drop down to verse 25 now. Paul says, now concerning the betrothed, Paul begins here by saying, now, concerning the betrothed, this kind of gives us a hint that Paul is now again responding to a very specific question that the Corinthians have written to him about. A question most likely around, hey, must a Christian get married? Paul says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. What Paul is saying, Jesus didn't have a specific teaching on this, but I'm going to give you my counsel as one, As taught by Jesus. And his counsel is this. He says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he or she is. Key word here in this verse. There's a key word here in this verse, and that word is distress. Apparently, there was some sort of distress going on in the city of Corinth as Paul wrote and responded to this question. The scriptures don't tell us what this distress was doesn't tell us if it was persecution or if it was political or if it was secular or economic. However, in light of the current distress, Paul suggests that each person stay where God has them. That if they're single, they should stay single. That if they're married, they should stay married. That, hey, this is where God has you stay there. Why would Paul say that? Practically speaking, right, if it was a time of crisis... If it was a time of persecution, if it was a time of difficulty, right, then getting married would add the extra burden and stress of, is my wife okay? Are my kids okay? Is the family okay? And so if a Christian was facing persecution, Paul's saying it's much easier, right, to say, do whatever you want with me, I'm single, and not have a family behind you and stand strong for Jesus. But if you had a family and that family all of a sudden is threatened, beaten, or murdered, things become infinitely more difficult for you. And this may seem really foreign to you and I today, but this wasn't foreign for Christians in the first century. And sadly, it's a reality and not foreign to many of our brothers and sisters in Christ across the world today. And so Paul says, if you're single, in light of the current distress you're facing, hey, stay single. That's the best for you right now. But Paul also says, if you're married, stay married. That if this time of distress is upon the city, right now is the time for you to press in and lead your family well. Right now is a time where your family needs you more than ever. Now is not a time to leave your family, that, that God's going to use you right where you're at in your family context. And so Paul says, if you're married, in light of the current distress, stay married. That's what's best for you. This is Paul's counsel. It's not a command from the Lord, as he says, and to make sure everyone's crystal clear on his words and no one twists his words, Paul says, but if you do marry, you've not sinned. He says, if you're single and you get married, you have not sinned. Because Paul knows underlying all of this is that God has a gifting for some for marriage and some for singleness, and Paul would not stand in the way of it. Continue on verse 29, he says, this is what I mean. Brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they've had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Now, If you're like me, when I read these verses, they were confusing. And I was like, what is Paul trying to say here? So Paul is not saying, right, neglect, abandon, or don't care for your spouse or your family. He is not saying that. What he's trying to encourage these Christians to do, what he's trying to convey here is the reality that life is short, right? That the world is passing away. That for a Christian, a great reminder that this world is not our home. Paul is echoing the psalmist who says, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Or James who says, for you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Or Jesus who says, you must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when least expected. What Paul is trying to get across here and communicate is that we're to live with an eye on eternity, that we're to live with the reality as Christians that we are visitors here on this earth and that we're to live with expectation and anticipation that Jesus could return at any moment. Therefore, we should be good spouses. We should mourn over losing loved ones. We should rejoice at all times. We should be good stewards of our possessions, but never to the extent that they take priority over following Jesus. Never to the extent that they get in the way of taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to those who have never heard it. What we see here is that whether married or single, we must live with a missional and eternal perspective. That whether married or single, we must live with a missional and eternal perspective. What Paul does is he's raising the bar here on the giftedness and the goodness of whatever state God has us in to have a not-of-this-world mindset, to have an eternal mindset, to have a missional mindset with whatever state we find ourselves in. And with that thinking in mind, what Paul says next becomes really clear. And I want to read these last verses for us from the New Living Translation because I think it communicates what Paul is trying to say really well. Again. Look at these verses here in light of an eternal perspective, in light of a missional gospel perspective in our lives. Paul says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who no longer married, who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband's. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. In these verses, Paul is saying we should live for the Lord and we should serve for the Lord. He's calling great emphasis to those two things. He's telling us that full devotion to the Lord needs to be our top priority in our lives. He's not saying marriage is bad. He's not saying you can't love Jesus if you're married. Here, he's kind of laying down some of those benefits of being single and serving the Lord. That a single person is free from some of the responsibilities that a married person has. A married person is going to be thinking about their spouse, their kids if they have them. Decisions now don't just impact one person, they impact multiple. Financial moves impact a whole family. This is why Paul says in marriage there's more anxieties, there's more cares, there's more responsibilities. And although marriage is good and a gift... Right, these responsibilities make a married person more distracted and more divided in their service to the Lord. And so I think about it like this. I think back when I was single, and if you would have asked me back then, I would have told you, gosh, my life is so busy, you have no idea about the responsibilities I have, my life's so complicated, there's no way you would understand it. Now I stand here married and with with two kids and I look back on that that time of singleness and I realize, wow, I just kind of came and went as I pleased. No one was waiting for me at home. I could come home as late as I want. Decisions, whether life or financial, impacted me and me alone. And so it was a season in my life where, gosh, I just served as late as I wanted at church. I was in multiple ministries at, at once and a mission trip would come up and I'm like, Great, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I didn't have to think about it. But now I have my wife, Kelly, to think about. And now I have my two sons, Brayden and Noah, to think about. And again, it's not that one season was better than the other. They are both a gift and they are both good. But the reality was, in my singleness, there were different benefits to serving the Lord. Just like there are now different benefits as a married person in serving the lord and so i want to say this if you're here today and you are single don't let your singleness be a distraction what if you looked at this current state in your life as a way to serve and please the lord to to, to leverage your life for jesus maybe like you, you never have before and maybe never will again what if you look at your singleness site right now as a way to more freely serve the lord this is the main reason Paul considered the unmarried state preferable for him. It was because he could more freely serve the Lord. But notice how Paul finishes up things with us today. He continues to hold this right balance between singleness and marriage. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. All of Paul's instructions, all of Paul's commands, all of his counsel led to keeping Jesus the priority in our lives. That whatever state we're in, singled or married, gift, good, missional, therefore the goal for us is to find the best way to serve the Lord and to do so with the least amount of distractions as possible. So Paul tells us all these things and we sit here today and how do we close it up and take it home with you you and I this morning? I think Paul Paul's instructions from verse 17 of this same chapter are fitting to close us this morning. He says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him or to her, and to which God has called him or her. That no matter what state you find yourself in this morning, God can work in your life. Therefore, let's be very careful not to have the approach of, I'll go serve God. When my current state is finished, let's begin to serve and walk for the Lord right now, right where he has you. Let's not be chained to the sins of our past or the current sins we have. Let's go seek the Lord, seek repentance, receive his forgiveness, and then begin to move forward in following Jesus and serving him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. Let's not have the approach of, well, single people have it better or married people have it better. As we've talked about today, I hope we clearly see that it doesn't matter as much what our relational status is, but what matters the most is that we are living this on fire, fully devoted life for Jesus, that we're to lead that life right now, and that we see that your value and your significance comes from Jesus not your relational status. That your value and your significance come from Jesus, not your relational status. That the most important thing about you is not if you are married or single or remarried or divorced or widowed or what social media says about your your relational status. The most important thing about you is that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to this earth And he went to the cross for you and I, for the sins of the whole world, and willingly sacrificed himself for your sin and my sin. And he died, paid that price for us. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later. And for everyone who puts their faith and trust in him, the most important thing about you is that you are a new creation in Christ, that he has given you a new heart for him, that you have been born again, as the Bible says in John chapter three. That's the most important thing about you today, that the gospel speaks into your life, whether you are single or whether you are married. So let's be very careful not to find our value, our significance, our worth in anything other than Jesus Christ. If we do, we have missed the mark in our lives. Therefore, if you are single, you have great value because of what Jesus has done. So be purposeful and leverage this season of singleness for the Lord. That if you're single right now, you have great value because of what Jesus has done, therefore be purposeful and leverage this season of singleness for the Lord. Likewise, if if you're married, you have great value because of what Jesus has done. So for you, be purposeful and leverage this season of marriage for the Lord. That may we find contentment in whatever state the Lord has us in, knowing that it is a gift and that it is good, that whether single or married, may we pursue an undivided devotion to our Lord, knowing that when we pursue Jesus, we find in him abundant life and purpose and joy that comes from him and him alone. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time together and Lord, through this series, we continue to address and look into some of the tough questions and the tough subjects of, of life. And I'm so thankful we're not shying away from those things. And I'm so thankful that your word speaks to those things. And so today, by your spirit, just take what we've talked about and weave it into our lives as, as you see fit. And may we set your word as truth and a firm foundation in our lives. And for those that are single today, would they see the current state that they're in, whether young or whether old, that is good and it is a gift? And you want them to use this season to be fully devoted to you, to be on mission for you, to be unashamed for you. And likewise, Lord, for those of us that, that are married, would we see that our marriage is good and it is a gift from you? Would we leverage our marriage to be missional? to be devoted to you, to speak the gospel to those around us. And so, Lord, may we leave today not the same as we came in. May we leave today desiring and wanting and taking steps closer and closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.